0: How's it going, everybody? My name is Christian Wagner, and this is Militant Thomist. So I'm coming with you, coming at you with uh, with Ben. We're going to be talking about his conversion. This is the first conversion story we've ever actually had. So we're going to get into a little bit of Ben lore <laughs> real real quick. Um, but before that, uh, always remember that if you're loving what I'm doing and would like me to do more of it, uh, patreon.com slash Militant putting that in the chat. And then I'll send you a link to the Discord in the chat. Very important, just in case I happen to get axed, which is looking likelier every day. Every show stream looks likelier. But um yeah, so that's all I have for you. So I'm gonna let you dive right in, Ben. Tell us uh, tell us about your yourself, your background, your conversion. I'll I'll ask questions throughout. But this is this is all you man.
1: Awesome, cool. Well, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it, because I don't think I've ever really spoken about my conversion. I did an article like two or so years ago that documented it, but I've changed a bit since then, Um, so I think it's good to get that out there. So basically, I was raised in a Lutheran family, and I wouldn't call it a nominally Lutheran family, because when I was a younger child, like very young, like preschool, kindergarten type thing, you know, we would, we'd regularly go to church, um, because I went to preschool at the church that my parents, uh, raised me in. Um, so like I would go to Sunday school, you know, I learned about the Bible, God, Jesus, all of these things, um, growing up, but my parents, they weren't really, you know, they were Lutheran. They, they weren't really familiar with the like the idea that the denominations are different. And so I actually ended up going to a Baptist like catechism type thing when I was, I believe this is like elementary school. And, um, it was, it was called Owana. I'm not sure if like that's just a Midwest thing or if that's like an across the United States thing, but it's basically like catechism class for Baptist children. Um, And so that's where I got like a lot of my, I guess you could say theological education as a small child. Um, So I was taught, you know, things like the sinner's prayer. And I remember like the context in which that actually happened. It was, you know, I had to be like five or six years old or maybe seven, something like that. And the, the guy who was talking had up this like picture of like a kid who was like our age you know, like five, six. And he said that this kid's parents, they they were atheists and they died in a car crash. And so this kid right now is burning in hell. And so like that kind of freaked me out a little bit as a like six, seven year old kid, you know. And so they kind of use that as like a hook to say, but you know, if you don't want to end up like this, there's this quick little prayer you can say, and then you'll be all good. So that's kind of how they... Introduced me to like the concept of salvation, you know, and like the once saved always saved.
0: What flavor of of Baptist was this? Because it seems a bit a little bit IFB, but also having those cutesy little uh, images and in catechism yeah. classes. That seems very like normy evangelical Baptist. Like <laughs> do kinda.
1: Yeah, I have no idea, honestly. Like I'd have to like the church still exists that I went to. Like, it's just, like, one of your typical First Baptist churches. Um, I actually think it's fairly liberal now, surprisingly. But, um, but yeah, I think it's just, like, I, I'm not very familiar with the Baptist world, if I'm going to be honest, you know? So, yeah. it's, it was just, like, Baptist evangelical type thing. And, like I said, the organization is called Awana. So, I'm not sure if they're affiliated with any specific denomination. But, yeah.
0: Yeah, with Baptists, it's usually... Um... Because with the non-denominational movement, I mean, you have the SBC, then you have like some collections of Reformed Baptists. Yeah. But I mean, you'll have all the time these just rogue churches, like you (laughs) said, that just flip-flop in the span of, what was this, like 15, 20 years ago?
1: Something like that.
0: Like (laughs) flip-flop from hyper-conservative telling five-year-olds are going to burn in hell (laughs) to fairly liberal like yeah. there's, there's no continuity and there's no, uh, structure yeah. to the, to the underlying, uh, theology of these groups.
1: I know. Yeah. And obviously, you know, as a kid, I don't really understand any of this. All I know is like, well, I don't want to end up like that kid. So, <laughs> so in, yeah.
0: in your, in your Lutheran class, uh, which, which type of Lutheran where was it like confessional mm-hmm. Lutheranism or was it some like ELCA group that doesn't even really believe anything?
1: I'm pretty sure it was, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I want to say it was ECLA, um, that one, because we had like, the church I went to was like a little bit more of a traditional church. So like the pastor, he wore like vestments. There was like an altar, Mm. Although, although there was like a choir behind the altar, you know? So it's not like quite super traditional, but then there was like a big controversy because they also opened up like one of those rock band type churches. So there's kind of like two versions of it. There's like the rock band church. And then there's like the more traditional quasi liturgical church. Um, And I always preferred like the the more traditional one when I was a kid, even though I didn't really understand what was going on and I didn't like it generally, but I just always thought that the rock band stuff was just like, I never understood the point of it. Yeah. Like it's like, What's what am I doing here? Like, it's like
0: if I wanted a nice rock band, I would like <laughs> listen to Van Halen or something. I wouldn't be going to these to these boomer Lutherans to get my <laughs> rock band.
1: Exactly. And like we'd be like sing yours oh, I apologize. Hold on one second. Uh oh, we'd be like singing a song, and then we'd be like citing the Apostles' Creed the next minute. I'm just like like, what are we doing?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunately like a lot of parts of the liturgical uh movement like you'll have generally like the uh acna the episcopal church generally some lutheran bodies they'll they'll have like their priests in like really intense like latin mass vestments, like they'll they'll have a chasuble on and everything they'll be going hardcore and then they'll have like a rock band sort of thing and it's so confusing
1: i know yeah yeah that was like kind of the church setting that i i grew up in although like i said like i was getting at this point in my life i was getting my theological education Mm -hmm. almost exclusively from baptists because i mean my parents didn't really know the difference i certainly didn't know the difference and um and so you know and like obviously i had like heard of like other people like i grew up you know in a chicago suburb and so there's quite a few catholics around here there's like a lot of so I, i knew what Catholicism was I I, and I knew that we were against it right because Luther you know my dad always would tell me about how Martin Luther he like stood up to the Catholic Church and how he was this great guy because of that like but that's really all I knew about the differences between denominations that there's like so
0: like it didn't it it didn't like phase your parents or anything that like did they have you baptized Did, did you get confirmed or anything like that
1: yeah so I was baptized as an infant thanks be to God um in, in a valid way. And, um, and so my parents, even though they, they weren't super familiar with like the nuances of theology, they still like raised me. They, they definitely wanted me to be a Christian because like I said, they would send me to these Baptist schools. They also sent my sister and I to like a couple Baptist like summer camps, which we loved because they'd like, they were, they were kind of fun to be honest. I, I like yeah. them. Um, and they actually, so But not to get ahead of myself, but basically, um, you know, one of the things that really disillusioned me um, from, like, Christianity as a kid was this whole idea of evolution, you know, because I was, like, raised, like, I I was, like, like most little boys, I was obsessed with, like, dinosaurs and stuff, you know, and um, so when I would go to these Baptist classes, and they would tell me that the earth is 6,000 years old, I just, I just genuinely didn't understand it, because I'm like, well, the earth is 60, like, four billion years old. They're saying 6,000 years old. I was like trying to like reconcile because I'm like, how does that work? I didn't really understand the concept of a logical contradiction at that point. But, um, but yeah, that, that kind of made me like suspicious of like Christianity from like a very early age. Um, and so by the time my parents wanted me to go to catechism class because Lutherans do catechism by like middle school, um, uh, I had already become an atheist um and uh yeah so i and i but i did end up doing catechism class but i could discuss a little bit about how i became an atheist if you okay
0: yeah that that seems like the next logical point (laughs) after this uh shady lutheran upbringing
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so yeah so like i said i mean like i had that that experience like with like the whole six-year-old child burning in hell type thing which kind of like made me a little bit like, that's, it, it, it just didn't quite sit right with me at that young age. And then also this whole idea of like evolution and science, because, you know, my, my dad is a biologist, my mom's a teacher. So like, you know, my parents raised me, you know, believing this evolution stuff. And so I like always read these books about dinosaurs and stuff. So when I'd go to like these Baptist schools and I'd hear Earth is 6,000 years old, I'm like, this doesn't seem quite right. But I never knew what atheism was as a kid. Uh, the only time I had heard about it was when my mom was telling me how she believes that everyone goes to heaven except atheists because they don't believe anything happens after you die. <laughs> and, like <laughs> like I, I vividly remember that. And uh, and I'm like, I, I was like confused that there were even people out there who believed that nothing happened after you died. I'm like, what do you mean? They be- they're people who don't believe anything happens. Like, of course, something happens. You like go to heaven or something, you know, like uh, I just I didn't know what like an atheist was. And, um, so I didn't, I never actually met an atheist until I got to middle school and I I remember how it happened. I was like on the school bus and I like sat down next to this, this kid who later became my friend and he started asking me questions like, why do you believe in God? And like at that, until that point, no one had ever asked me a question like that before. So I, I had never really thought about it. And like, he asked me like, you know, are you a Christian? Why do you believe in God? This kind of stuff. And the more he talked me through it, you know, he went through the classic things, I'm sure. Like, I don't remember exactly what he said, obviously. But things like, you know, the problem of evil. And then, of course, he was really pushing this whole evolution thing and, like, talking about how the Bible has all these silly stories in it and all these horrible things in it. And by the end of it, I realized, like, oh, like, now that I know what atheism is, you know, I think that's what I am. Like, I don't think I actually buy into the whole Christianity thing. Um, but it wasn't like immediate, but it was pretty fast, which shows that I didn't really have very firm convictions, you know, in my faith, yeah. unlike some other children who do. Um, cause like, I think, I don't know exactly how long it took, maybe it took a couple days, maybe a week, but by the end of it, I remember making the conscious decision to not believe in God. I even, I remember there's like a hill, like right by where I live. And I remember I was like walking down that hill and I was like looking out at like the trees and stuff, you know, really edgy. And I'm like, this is all there is, <laughs> you know? And like, I, I have that vivid memory of making that choice that I am no longer going to believe in God at this point. And Middle so school you
0: know, cringe Lord over there.
1: <laughs> oh, it, it gets much worse. It gets much worse. <laughs> okay. Keep going. Keep going.
0: I want to, I want to hear all the bad details.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. So, so I, so like, given just like my personality, like, I, I wasn't just, like, a nominal atheist. Like, I, like once I discovered atheism, you know, I kind of have, like, this, you know, like everyone, I have this complex where I always have to be right about everything. And so, of course, you know, just as my friend had talked to me about, you know, God and Christianity and had gotten me to be an atheist, I'm like, oh, what if I started doing that, too? So, like, I would be that annoying kid on the bus who I'd, like, go up to everyone and I'd be like, why do you believe in God? And I would basically be trying to refute the existence of God, which with the like, you know, you you think of any meme argument you can think of. I probably used it. And like because this was the same time this is happening. This is middle school. This is like the peak of new atheism on YouTube. So this is like, you know, amazing atheist, um, Thunderfoot, um, armored skeptic, you know, people in that group who who are still kind of around, but they're not nearly as popular as they used to be when I was in middle school. And so like I was like watching their videos, you know, especially their ones refuting like creationism and promoting science, you know, just like science is this greatest thing ever. And it's so logical, so much more logical than belief in God, all that stuff. And so I'd like take these arguments. I would use them to my classmates. And the worst thing is I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, an app called iFunny.
0: It's like you are. Yeah, I I used it when I was in middle school too. We're like the same generation. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I mean, I
1: I don't know. But uh, but yeah, so I got an iFunny account, an atheist iFunny account, which still exists. It's still out there.
0: Cringe Lord over I know,
1: it's so bad. (laughs) But it's out there. And like, I literally, literally what I would do is I would go, there was like this website that posted atheist memes and I would just copy those memes. I would post them on I funny So like literally every atheist meme you could probably think of, I've probably posted it on the iFunny account. And so, yeah, that that still exists. You could still find it. Um, and so that was kind of me as an atheist. And, and of course, as I mentioned before, it was sort of during this time because middle school, that's like the time that catechism happens in the Lutheran church. Um. I, my parents really wanted me to go to catechism, especially my mom, she was like, really pushing, like, you have to go to catechism, you have to get confirmed. And I mean, I I just didn't understand why I'm like, I, I didn't really want to tell them I was an atheist, because I knew that they wouldn't like that. But I'm guessing they probably knew, um, you know, because I kind of like drop like subtle hints, you know, I, I particularly remember my mom, I was like in the car. My mom told me she wanted me to get confirmed. And I said something like, where in the Bible does it say I have to get confirmed (laughs) or something like that? And um, so that's just the kind of the kind of kid I was. Um, And so I'd go to these like Lutheran. So I I did end up going to Lutheran catechism class. And I went to that for several years. And I just remember, you know, we do like, they do like a lesson and then they'd be like small group where you'd like discuss it. And all that. And I would just be like the most obnoxious, toxic person, just like, oh, this is all nonsense. Like, I don't believe any of this. You're all stupid. You know, science is all that is. There is God isn't real. You know, like that kind of stuff was me in middle school. Um, But I did actually end up getting confirmed. And it's still like it's it's terrible why I did. I, I did it for money and that's it. I, the only reason I got confirmed was because my parents told me that, you know, if you get confirmed, all your relatives are going to give you all this money. And so that's literally the only reason why I got confirmed, not because I actually believed anything.
0: Like reverse simony right there.
1: (laughs) Exactly. I know it was. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, actually. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so I so I technically officially became Lutheran um, because I was confirmed when I was in. I mean, th- th- I believe this was probably eighth grade. So like just towards the end of middle school is when I ended up getting confirmed. Um, and so then by the time I get to high school, you know, I- I've kind of I feel like, you know, I've kind of like beat religion to death. Like I'm just like it's just like a dead horse for me at this point. It's just kind yeah. of boring. You know, like like I've argued with all these Christians on iFunny, and, you know, I-, I-, I know everything there is to know about this. And so why even discuss it anymore? And so that's when I discovered the wonderful world of politics. And so Oh,
0: gosh, it gets worse.
1: I know. It, it's <laughs> progressively worse. And so I remember. So now I've moved from iFunny to Instagram. And so, like, I remember I came across on Instagram a video by an end cap arguing for why taxation is theft. And so, like, I watched this, like, 10 minute video. I think it was by like, I think the guy's name's like Larkin Rose or something like that. If you're familiar with him, he's like uh, this kind of cringy guy. I had my own face. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of people I, I suspect do. Um, but, but I like watched this video and I'm just like, yeah, man, taxation is theft. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and so I started this Instagram account where I had like, it was like a libertarian account. Then it became an NCAP cap account. And, and of course, this whole time, I'm an atheist, right? For those you know, who
0: are wondering, um, ANCAP, that means anarcho-capitalism. It's <laughs> oh, like yeah. a really intense version of libertarianism, if you're wondering.
1: Yeah, it's it's basically like, you know, we can replace the states with capitalism, just pure free market. Cap. Of course, they would nuance it more than that, but because there yeah. are some serious defenders of it, but not many. Um, so I don't want to just totally dismiss it. Read
0: Murray Rothbard, if you were uh, <laughs> curious.
1: Exactly, yeah read, uh, the privatization of the roads that's on mises.org. Uh, but well, I, I became pretty into the anarcho-capitalist world, you know, cause then I sort of made like, instead of arguing about like, you know, religion, I started arguing about like economics and politics And about and funnily enough, I still like was arguing about like ethics because, you know, anarcho-capitalism is like a very ethical based system with the NAP and everything. And so I actually ended up making like some moral realist arguments without even really realizing it, Um, even though I didn't believe in God. You know, I I was like atheism kind of just became like the standard. Like, oh, yeah, like, of course, I'm an atheist. Like, that's Mm -hmm. just that's just taken for granted. But like I was trying to figure out my identity, like beyond atheism at this point. And um, so that's why I was pretty into the anarcho-capitalist world on Instagram. Um, but if, if you want
0: my uh, my background as an oh, yeah. and cap cringe lord, when I was gosh, this must have been like freshman year of high school.
1: Yeah,
0: I would wear this pin around. Oh, oh on, and no. the pin the pin said "taxation is theft," and I would oh, wear it around. As a freshman in high school, everywhere I went, every single day, I'd wear that pin around. And I I still have, like, a shirt that I, from that period of time, that says taxation is theft on it. And I'll still, like, wear it as a night shirt or something.
1: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. I I don't think I ever got any ANCAP merch, but...
0: Oh, I was big into it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, luckily. But I I did get some, some other merch with, because after I... So after I was an ANCAP, I did a complete 180 and I became a Marxist. Like I I wasn't I'm not totally sure exactly how this happened, but I think it just came from like reading just a lot about Karl Marx and like economic theory. You're just
0: attracting all the most cringe ideologies.
1: (laughs) I mean, hey, you know, God works (laughs) in mysterious ways. And um, so yeah, I I became a Marxist. And so like, this is like the same Instagram account. I changed it from a Liberty, from like an AnCap account to a Marxist account. So of course I had a lot of haters because of that. You know, people were like, how dare you abandon the the ideal of anarcho-capitalism and becoming one of the enemy, you know? And um, so yeah, so I was a Marxist. And interestingly enough, I actually became somewhat popular in the Marxist community. Because not only was I, I was like a niche kind of Marxist because, you know, you know, the, the left is incredibly sectarian. And so there's like so many different varieties of Marxism and leftism and communism, <clears throat> communism, socialism out there that I ended up becoming one of like the like Marxism's already cringy. But I became like one of the cringiest kinds of Marxist you could be. And I became a Marxist Leninist, which is like <laughs> I'm sure you're familiar with what that is. Um, but it's basically like, you know, it's like the ideology of the Soviet Union and, you know, this idea that, like, Stalin was this great guy, Mao was this great guy. <laughs> and, yeah, it was very cringy. And I actually had a YouTube channel. It, it's, it is it's actually the same channel as my current channel. The videos are just private, um, where I was uploading, like, Marxist content. and.
0: Marxist yeah. propaganda on Marxist, your YouTube channel.
1: Literally, that's what it was. It was Marxist propaganda. And I probably wouldn't have had a problem calling it propaganda either. Did,
0: did, was your room in your parents' basement or something like <laughs> from all <of> these ideologies?
1: <laughs> no, but I did actually, funnily enough, I, gosh, I bought a North Korean flag and I hung it up in my room. And my parents got so mad at me when I did that and they like had like a talk with me about it
0: <laughs> North Korean.
1: yeah i i have, don't know i've since completely discarded that and but yeah i i was like that cringy of a marxist and uh yeah
0: okay so oh, what is this about late high school now
1: this would be like sophomore getting into like early junior year of high school yeah
0: Okay, let me see, actually, if there's any questions in the chat. I don't want to have them all clog up for the end. Okay, so what is the iFunny account (laughs) name?
1: Oh, no. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's... I have a actually... You don't
0: have to say if you don't want to.
1: I mean, it's... it's, Yeah, maybe I should. You know, you can can private message me if you want to (laughs) know.
0: Okay, and then also... Where in the Bible does it say that I have to be confirmed? (laughs) A based Bible alone?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I was a Bible alone atheist, yeah.
0: (laughs) Sola Scriptura atheist.
1: (laughs) That was me, yeah.
0: Okay, so... You're in sophomore, going into junior year right now. You're a radical Leninist. So what is, where does it go from here? I can, I cannot imagine any
1: lower. So (laughs) yeah, luckily, luckily things start to pick up a little bit here because, well, so I, so like I said, I became somewhat popular in the Marxist community. Like I had over a thousand subscribers on YouTube. Uh, like my videos would get like a thousand views, you know, like per video on like Marxist content. I had lots of, I had, I had a blog, you know, I had, was answering people's questions. I was like part of this Skype group back this, for some reason, Skype, I guess was still a thing. And so we were part of the Skype group. And, um, and I even went to like a socialist conference in Chicago. Fifty dollars for it, by the way. Socialist conference. I know. What the heck? <laughs> Fifty bucks, but and I, I was even like meeting up with like some of my online friends there. So like I was like really into this world. Um, but then, so then this would enter my junior year of high school, and you know, cliche as it might sound, I met a girl, <laughs> 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 and uh, she was like a uh, like a foreign exchange student. And um so I, I became very, you know, like I, I as you can probably tell, I, I was not the best with the ladies um up until this point.
0: Well you were a Marxist, so I mean
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um but so like this was like my first time actually like having I, I wouldn't call it a relationship because like it was only like you know a short exchange program thing, yeah. you know, but like we like, you know, got got along very well and it went very well, but turned out, you know, she had a boyfriend the whole time, plot twist. And this kind of sent me into like a very, you know, like depressive state. You know, like I wouldn't say like I had like depression, you know, I don't, I wouldn't use that term, but like, I was very upset over it. Cause like, it was my first time really experiencing, I guess you could say heartbreak of sort. Um, And so it just left me like in complete despair. And I was just like sad all the time. I couldn't get motivated to do anything. Certainly couldn't get motivated to like, you know, it's not like my ideology was like helping me through any of this like yeah saving the proletariat that's going to help me in my out of my current depressive state you know yeah um and so like it really opened me up to questions that i had previously like dismissed about god and christianity and so i think this was probably the first time since i was a kid that i actually prayed and i was like crying in my room and i just like prayed to God, who I didn't even believe in, but I said, you know, if you're there, you know, please just help me, like, please just help me stop being so like in agony, you know, like just make my suffering end. you know, even if that meant like striking me down or something, you know, of course I I, I was never like suicidal, of course, but you know, there were things like that in my mind. And, um, and so not, so th- this is like towards, this is 2017, this is like towards the end of the year, 2017. And so it was, like, around December 2017 that, like, I'm having all these thoughts and I'm starting to just, like, question things like, you know, the meaning of life. Like, why am I here? Like, if I'm going through all this suffering, like, why do I keep going through it? Like, why not just end it all? Of course, I never would have, but, like, I was just pondering the question from, like, an intellectual perspective, you know. And so that led me to December 2017. I came across uh, a couple of videos on YouTube by Classical Theist. And Mathema, if you're familiar with them, um, classical theist did a video called "An Argument for the Existence of God," and it was it just showed up on my YouTube feed, and it was like a like a 30 minute long video, and I just, that kind of intrigued me. Like, how could you talk about this for 30 minutes? Like, <laughs> you know, like I thought, you know, I mean, I I'd never even looked into these things before, and so I watched the video, and he. I don't quite remember it because it's been a while since I've seen it, but I'm pretty sure he goes, you know, he goes through Aquinas' argument, for, you know, the unmoved mover argument, basically, um, to argue for the existence of God. And um, and I remember by the end of it, I I just was like, I did not understand a word that he just said, <laughs> you know, and, and that kind of intrigued me. I'm like, you know, he was talking about actuality, potentiality, you know, causality. I'm like, I don't know what those words mean. But in the description of the video or like towards the end of the video or something, he referenced a video by Mathema, um, which basically went over the same arguments in, I I believe, because he has like a series on his channel called like, you know, a defense of classical theism or something like that. Um, And in like one of the first videos called like the cosmological arguments, um, he goes through Aquinas' argument for motion in really good detail. Like he like has like all these diagrams and stuff, like explaining the difference between, you know, essentially ordered causal series versus accidentally ordered causal series, all this stuff in a very understandable way to someone who's never really looked into this stuff before. And I remember by the end of the video, I was just like, wow, that makes sense to me. Like I I understand why people find that compelling. You know, like I I don't like I, I no longer thought of belief in God as just this idiotic thing like I had always thought of it as, especially as a Marxist, you know, when like religion is like the enemy, you know, everyone who's religious is just completely deluded, and just trying to subvert the reality of, you know, the proletariat revolution. Um, So like, it was a pretty eye opening thing. And I I believe it was it wasn't too long after that, that I had been thinking about these arguments, trying to come up with like ways to make them not work. And then I just realized, you know, I, I guess I believe this, like, it makes sense to me, and I became convinced that, yeah, God is real, you know, like he, and he's not like just this guy sitting on a cloud, but he is, you know, who the scholastics defined him as he is actus puris. He is the fountain of all being. And so that's kind of where my belief in God generally came from.
0: Interesting. So this, this must take a turn though, because <laughs> right now you're, uh, you're getting arguments from the exi- for the existence of God from Aquinas so right. uh, and as you see from the description of the video it's too <laughs> orthodoxy so uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> there, there's something that happens after this so uh,
1: yeah so I mean you've, you've
0: did you instantly repudiate uh, your Marxism or were you kind of just like a theistic Marxist did you even think about mm. think about that like how did how did that go
1: yeah so so by th- so by this point, I had largely fallen away from Marxism because I had just like, I just like, you know, after I had, I went through like this heartbreak thing, I just had totally lost interest in like these different political matters. And I had just kind of become like a generic liberal, you know, just like I have just generically liberal opinions on things. Um, but as I was coming around to belief in God, um, I started to become more traditional, like in my social views Um, like, especially when it came to things, you know, like abortion, gay marriage, you know, I mean, you know, honestly, I had always kind of suspected that there was like something wrong with these things. Like I had never really fully been on board with like the feminist movement, the whole like gender ideology thing. Like it had always been like in the periphery for me when I was a Marxist, but like, as I became more convinced of the existence of God and these more traditional, and I was introduced to these more traditional thinkers, like, you know, Aristotle, Aquinas, people like this, um, my social views did begin to change and I I was able to actually abandon Marxism without really much hesitation at that point um, you know, just by the grace of God. And um, so, yeah. And I, but like, at this point I was kind of just like a generic theist. I wasn't totally sure that I wanted to be a Christian yet, you know, because I had, I had known people like on Instagram and stuff who like were who called themselves Aristotelian theists Wherein they, they believe in the God that Aristotle and Aquinas proposed, but they don't believe in any like religious system, right? And so I had. I, oh, I think I, that's
0: I, even more cringe than yeah. <laughs> atheism.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I kind of suspected that because um, not too long after those videos, Mathema and Classical Theist did a live stream together where they discussed like the how. Christianity is a fitting explanation for the kind of God proposed by Aquinas and specifically how Catholicism is a fitting explanation for that, given the whole idea of the incarnation and the, how the incarnation is lived out through the sacraments of the church. And, um, and all that stuff was very appealing to me. Um, And that got me interested, like when, when they were talking about Christianity specifically, it got me really interested in like you Know the, the root of Christianity. It got me interested in the Bible. And so I remember I came across a video by Dr. Brant Petrie called Abraham and the Spiritual Life, where Petrie shows the typology that exists between the sacrifice of Isaac and the sacrifice of Christ. You know, pointing out how it's they're both it's the first time the word love is used in the Bible. They're both you know, only sons who carry their own sacrificial wood up a mountain in Jerusalem and offer themselves. And I was just like really taken aback by that, that that did not strike me as something you could make up, as something that would be coincidental. And so I became very interested in biblical theology at that point. And so I I was reading Brant Petrie's work. You know, he has the channel Catholic Productions, which I still enjoy watching, um, and I also bought a book that he wrote with uh, John Bergsma called The Catholic Introduction to the Bible, the Old Testament, which I have sitting back there. It's still one of my favorite books. It's, it's probably the, the longest book I've actually read all, like, almost all the way through, because it's, like, it's a very long book, but I, I was so captivated by it. Um, and so they, they just really showed me that the Bible is divinely inspired. And that's really why I decided to become a Christian because I had, you know, I I believed in God from this intellectual perspective, um, you know, from this philosophical perspective, and then I became convinced of the divine inspiration of scripture. And so for me, you know, things like, like, I know for a lot of people who become atheists uh, or who become Christians from being atheists, like looking into like the evidence for the resurrection of Christ is like a very big sticking point. For me, that wasn't as big of an issue because it was really just the, it was the Old Testament that really convinced me of the existence and deity of Christ and, you know, the the fulfillment of prophecy um, type thing. Um, Although, of course, I did look into the evidence for the resurrection. I read Brant Petrie's book called The Case for Jesus, which is an excellent book. I highly recommend it, Um, as well as some of Michael Lacona's stuff, you know, that kind of stuff. So that's why I became uh, a Christian. And obviously, since it was, you know, Catholics who were introducing me to arguments for the existence of God, introducing me to biblical theology. I was very much drawn towards the Catholic church. You know, I mean, I have, you know, I have cousins who are Catholic. My grandma was raised Catholic. So like I, Catholicism is somewhat familiar to me. Um, And it was obviously, it's very, it was very different from my Lutheran slash Baptist upbringing. And so that greatly attracted me as well. So that's sort of where I was on the trajectory there.
0: Well, what happened now? Because I mean, (laughs) yeah, sounds like you're going to be a perfect papist here soon.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no. So, so Brent Petrie did a video called um, uh, something like it, like he, he did it, like about the papacy where he was arguing for the, the papacy from a biblical theological perspective, you know, from Matthew 16, going into, you know, what does it mean to bind and loose, yeah. all this stuff. And so like, I, I really became convinced of the papacy from a biblical theological perspective. Um, and then of course I was introduced to Eric Ybarra and his website. So I, I read a ton, like I read almost everything Eric Ybarra wrote on his website, um, which and this is like back, this is like at this point we're in like 2018, 2019 type thing. Um, but it was actually like through looking into Catholicism that I I discovered what Orthodoxy was, you know, because, um, obviously if you're reading through a website like Eric's, um, you'll come across the other side, the Orthodox side. Um, but I never really found it compelling at first because it seemed to me like a lot of the popular Orthodox apologetics really, and I still think this, a lot of them just totally dismiss the case for the papacy from the first millennium. And I just didn't find it compelling. I'm like, you know, if you're saying that there is absolutely no sense in which the Pope has primacy, you know, all you have to do is read the fourth ecumenical council where St. Leo is called the archbishop of all the churches or the seventh ecumenical council where Hadrian is called, you know, um, the head of the church, like, like if you're saying stuff like calling someone the head of the church is heretical, like, you know, how does that even make sense? You know? So like I was really put off from orthodoxy at the beginning. Um, But it was sort of, you know, and obviously, so I, I never actually enrolled in RCIA, but I had the paperwork for it because there's a Catholic church not too far away from me where I I met up with the deacon. Um, I got, you know, the paperwork to sign up for it, but I never ended up actually signing up for it mostly because of that, that specific parish. I mean, it, it was a, it's a Novus Ordo parish, yeah. and you know, I, I don't want to like bash bash them or anything, but it just, it just kind of put me off a little bit because it was very reminiscent of my early Lutheran upbringing, and so that just kind of put me off a little bit. Um, so I didn't really want to go there. I wanted to go to a, a Latin Mass, obviously, um, mm-hmm. but there wasn't, at least as far, I actually later learned that there was a Latin Mass that's actually fairly close to me, which I just somehow didn't come across. But as far as I was aware, the closest one was in Chicago, Um, St. John Cantius, which is a very beautiful church, if you're familiar with it. Um, And so I went there a couple of times, but it was hard for me to go there regularly. And so I just really couldn't get grounded in a Catholic parish anywhere. Um, And so I I eventually just like was starting to like fall out of like, you know, my praying and stuff like that. And I just became I started to become a little bit like saddened over this. And so it was at this point, you know, I started looking a little bit more into Orthodoxy. And I remember I read Father Laurent Cleanworth's book called His Broken Body, um, and that was the first book by an Orthodox theologian I'd read that really made made me understand that the Orthodox interpretation of the papal, um, you know, the papacy in the first millennium is not completely incoherent. I wasn't fully convinced by it, but I, I realized at least there was another plausible explanation for all of this stuff which I realized I had to uh, consider. And, uh, but, um, but yeah, so that was, that. that's sort of what drove me to, to uh, the shift. And the, then the more I read it, you know, and then it's at this point that people like, you know, Craig Trulia show up and, um, and, you know, whatever, regardless of what you think of him, I, I was reading some of his stuff. I He did an article exchange with Eric Ybarra over the, over whether or not, the um like the pope had the authority to change the, the night scene creed um and they did an article exchange oh hello oh
0: sorry oh Go good? i just disappeared for a second Go ahead.
1: <laughs> okay yeah sorry um so so they did an article exchange and i remember thinking by the end of reading it i mean you know I, I actually do, I, I like a lot of Eric's stuff, but I remember by the end of reading, it, I thought that Craig had the more powerful argument at the end of the day. Um, and so I, I was starting to become more persuaded of the Orthodox view of the papacy. And so it was at this point that I decided to uh, send out an email to a bunch of Orthodox priests in my area. I think I sent an email out to like three. And I think I accidentally emailed a uh, an Oriental Orthodox priest too, because I just like, cle- I think it was like an Indian Orthodox church, but I, I wasn't, really aware of like the cost at this point (laughs) yeah um so i think i sent an email to him but um only one of them actually ended up getting back to me i mean maybe the others did eventually i just didn't see it but i only remember my who's it was my the guy the priest who's my current priest was the one who responded to me like i said something just you know to the effect of i am interested in or you know i'm currently like inquiring between orthodoxy and catholicism Um, I'm leaning more towards Catholicism, but I want to hear, you know, I want to hear the Orthodox side. Like I want to talk through certain issues. And so I met up with, you know, my, my priest, this priest, and, uh, we started talking just about these different issues. And he just sort of introduced me to, you know, the, the Orthodox view of scripture, of tradition, of you know, the Trinity, all this stuff. And he told me to read, you know, and and like, we had like several, um, discussions. It wasn't just a one-time thing. Um, And over the course of several discussions, he eventually got me to read Vladimir Lovsky's book, Dogmatic Theology. Um, And I remember reading that and I just I found it very, very compelling, you know, and not, not even in a way that was like contradictory to Catholicism, because I think a lot of what he says is, you know, pretty just standard across the board. Catholicism, different branches of Protestantism could agree to it, but just like the whole way he presented it. You know, in terms of understanding the fall, understanding the nature of man, understanding sin, understanding the church, the sacraments, all that stuff. It, it had been stuff I had heard in Catholicism, but it was just sort of expressed to me in a new way that I just I found very compelling. And obviously, at the same time, I'm still reading Father Lauren Cleanworks book, His Broken Body. I'm following, you know, the blog exchanges between Eric Ybarra, Craig Trulia. I mean, because, like, at this point, they're really the only apologists who are, like, the strongest apologists I know of. Because there's also, like, there's a website called Shameless Orthodoxy uh, by someone who's kind of uh, a universalist. So, like, I didn't really pay too much attention to them. Based. Um, what's that? Based. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, um, and, yeah, so then I just sort of through this whole process, I eventually, you know, I, I couldn't just remain in indecisive limbo forever. Um, And so I eventually decided to become Orthodox. Um, You know, I told my priest, you know, I think more so my, my priest asked me, he's like, you know, do you want to become Orthodox? Do you think you want to be a catechumen? And I realized that, yeah, I think I want to be a catechumen. And so that is what's got me um, on the way to Orthodoxy. And then I was officially received into the Orthodox church on April 20th, 2019. So yeah.
0: Okay. So, uh, right now, if anybody has any questions, uh, for Ben, you can send them in the chat. Um, so what has happened between 2019 and today? How Mm. is, how has your devotion to our Lord grown in the, uh, in the Eastern church?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I could start with like the more, uh, intellectual side, then get into like the more spiritual stuff. Um, you know, from an intellectual perspective, you know, obviously this whole time I'm coming, kind of coming at Orthodoxy Catholicism from a very intellectual perspective. But the first time I went to an Orthodox liturgy, you know, I I was actually able to participate in this liturgy because I had actually gone to an Eastern Catholic liturgy um, before, except I was treated very poorly, um, you know, like to the point where people were like, making fun of me because I didn't know what to do and all this stuff. And it left a very sour taste in my mouth. And it made me very skeptical of just Eastern traditions generally. Um, So I I was very hesitant to go to an Orthodox church, actually, because of this experience I had, had. but I eventually did go. And so when I, I experienced the liturgy, it just really made me, you know, I just realized, you know, this is sort of where I belong. Um, and it, it, and obviously once I got a priest, I was given a spiritual, a prayer rule and that I'm held to it. Um, and so like, I, I started praying regularly every night, which of course, you know, I don't don't do it perfectly, but, um, but you know, I, I had like a routine uh, of prayer of church and, you know, Vespers, all this stuff. And of course, once I was received, um, confession has become a very important and fundamental part of my life. You know, I, I, I love going to confession. It's just like, you know, it's like you feel so hopeless, like, how could I possibly get out of the state? And then you go to confession, it's like, oh, how could I have thought that I, you know, it's, 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 boom, you're absolved. Just like that. It's, it's the most beautiful gift our Lord has given us. And um, so that that's, and so like, you know, I, I just, I've grown since then, I've grown in a deeper appreciation of belonging to a church community, of receiving, being able to receive the sacraments and basically trying to practice the virtues in a secular world because i I currently go to a university which is a very secular university and so if i did not have that like grounding in a parish and you know being under obedience to a spiritual father like if i didn't have that i there's no doubt i would have apostatized by now um and so so yeah that's largely how i grew from like a spiritual perspective and from an intellectual perspective you know I, i will say like When I was coming into Orthodoxy, you know, I kind of did get swept up in a lot of the anti-Western sentiments of like all this going a little bit too far and trying to draw the distinctions between Orthodoxy and Catholicism over issues like original sin, um, you know, things like papal, even things like papal primacy um, and our understanding of the sacraments of, you know, like even, well, obviously original sin that gets into issues of like, you know, the salvation of infants, all this stuff. Um, or the existence of sacraments outside the church. Um, I, I have largely, you know, come to what, what I would consider a more orthodox view of these things, and, and not, like, the, the pop orthodox apologetics you'll see, like, on a lot of popular websites that promote it. Um, you know, like, I, I've come, like, if you read St. Nicodemus the Hagarite's explanation of original sin in the rudder, like, you... He, you would think, oh, he's teaching, like, inherited guilt. Like, what, that's not orthodox? Like, we don't teach inherited guilt. But it's like, he does. Like, I mean, obviously, we don't really, we would nuance that a little bit. But, um, but yeah, I think I, I've, I've matured a lot in my intellectual pursuits. And, of course, I, I have a particular focus on biblical theology. And one of the ways that I've grown the most in biblical theology was being exposed to the writings of Sarah Hamilton. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Um, he's, oh, really? a, yeah, no, he's he runs a a blog called Cabane, also a YouTube channel called Cabane, um, and he like he's Orthodox, and he just really opened my mind to the riches and depths of Scripture. And he's very influenced by a guy named James Jordan and Peter Lightheart. If you're familiar with them, mm-hmm. um, like kind of their whole biblical her- hermeneutic. Oh, yeah.
0: I'm very familiar. I was reformed before I was Catholic. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. And uh, and so like being exposed to their works has like like I I, I date my blog like before Sarah from Hamilton and after Sarah from Hamilton. Like there is a noticeable difference in the way I do biblical theology before and after I encountered his works. And it has greatly transformed the way I see scripture. It has like, it has made me more and more convinced of the divine inspiration of Scripture and as well as, you know, the divine inspiration of the traditions of the Orthodox Church. You know, like, as the more I'm able to study Scripture, the more I see that properly reading it actually does get us to these traditional views surrounding, you know, the Virgin Mary, um, intercessions of the saints, the nature of the Church. All of this stuff is genuinely in the Bible. It's just... You have to know how to read it. And so I think I have grown a lot in that respect.
0: Okay. Um, I know I said we could do some Q&A, but I'm, I'm running low on time. I actually have an interview. Swan is bringing me on his channel right after this to talk about St. Newman. So uh, if you have any questions for him that you would like to, to ask Ben, then where can they find you?
1: Uh, yeah, so I'm on Twitter. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Genealogy of Adam. You can also find my YouTube channel, which is Codex Justinianus, or my blog, uh, Ancient Insights. You can send me a message through any of those if you have questions. So yeah.
0: Okay. Anything else to plug? And any last any last words?
1: Um not that I can think of, but thank you very much for having me on. I'm glad to have done this.
0: Yeah, this was great. Um, so for everybody, everybody watching right now, um, make sure you subscribe. Um, and then, you know, the whole Patreon and discord deal that I brought you guys through in the beginning. I won't, I won't bore you with the second iteration of that. So, uh, (laughs) if you guys probably Swan will have it up tomorrow, it's not going to be live streamed, but, um, that's all I have you for tonight. Um, and God bless.
1: Thank you.